0: Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast and our clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangeley. With me as always is my co-host and Rangeley's founder, Chris DeMuth. It is Wednesday, April 6th, and today we're talking about two subjects that will make you the life of any party, uh, antitrust policy and corporate tax regulation. Uh, in particular, we're going to be talking about the Allergan-Pfizer deal breaking. Then we're going to go to the DOJ blocking the Baker-Hughes-Halliburton merger uh, that was on antitrust grounds. And finally, we're going to wrap it up by talking about how one man's decision to move could, in- could destroy the entire New Jersey tax budget. Uh, so, Chris, why don't we start with Allergan-Pfizer breaking. This deal broke Monday afternoon, or it broke officially this morning, but it was dead Monday afternoon around 5 p.m., when the Treasury came out with new uh, new tax reg- regulations on inversions, uh, we mentioned the deal on our March 9th podcast, Pfizer knows how to make things happen. And it turns out, no, they don't know how to make things happen. Uh, We thought the odds of a deal going through were very high. The Treasury had said they had limited recourse to stop the deal or change inversion law any further. The market was pricing the odds of the deal going through at less than 50%. We were kind of thinking roughly 90%. It turns out maybe we were wrong. Maybe this was the 1 in 10 chance, but the deal broke. Uh, We're not the only ones who missed this, though. Research from Goldman Sachs shows it was a top 10 holding from over 80 hedge funds, making it possibly the most popular stock in the history of hedge funds. And uh, four firms in particular, Viking, Paulson, Third Point, and Pentwater, all lost more than $200 million on the merger breaking. So there's all the background. Chris, why don't you take it from here? Why is the deal breaking? What's going on?
1: Well, uh, I should say, my, my mother is a doctor, and when I've asked her in fictional TV shows about ORs, what's the most unrealistic thing? She always says that when the line goes flat, they kind of do two or three chest compressions mm-hmm. and kind of throw a, throw a bag over the person's head, <laughs> you know, usually in time for the next commercial. Well, this line has been flat now for a few days, yeah. uh, and so it... <laughs> but was, they threw the bag over this yeah, morning. So now this one, as of this morning, it was officially uh, dead, but uh, the uh, the... Uh, The proximate cause was the new Treasury rules uh, that they put out. Uh, So this is the third round of Treasury Department rules on inversions.
0: And this round was by by far more wide-reaching than any of the previous rounds. And we're going to talk a little bit about the implications of these. But why don't we just kind of dive in and describe what the Treasury started reading. There's two things in particular. Uh, what? Well, there's limiting company size for inversion, and then there's hitting earnings stripping. Why don't you start off by talking about the limiting, uh, for the limiting company size for inversions? Sure.
1: Um. So this is a part of it that
0: really looked like it was quite specific to Pfizer and Allergan. I mean, they haven't gone to. I've heard Allergan CEO speaking, and he said we think this was specifically designed to target us and. Any analyst will tell you this specific part was designed to stop the Pfizer-Allergen merger. I, I
1: would call it a bill of attainder. Uh, this was a executive agency, although usually that phrase is... When, when there's actual legislation. Uh, but with no uh, court, no judicial decision, uh, this was a taking from uh, Pfizer and Allergan in order to block this specific deal. The reach back in terms of duration it fit perfectly. One deal and, and, and no other. So,
0: let, let me just step back a little. So in order to invert, two companies have to be roughly the equal size. So if you're a $10 billion company looking to invert... The company you invert with has to be a foreign company around 7 to $9 billion mm-hmm. because of ownership rules. This is rough simplification, but we'll have to do it for the podcast. This rule says, hey, if you're a 7 or $8 billion company and you got that way by merging with other companies, any mergers you've done in the past three years are excluded. And this is retroactive. And, so over the last three yep. years, if you were obeying
1: the law and the rules, you didn't know yep. until Jack Lew... Imagine this idea. So you could
0: be be a $7 billion company, but for inversion purposes, you're a $2 billion company, and there's only one company this targets. That's Allergan, who's done a bunch of mergers to get to their size today. And
1: they could have used the ticker symbol. They could have used the street address, but they decided to use
0: the time period that fit this one company. Yep, yep. And then the second thing they hit, and this is going to have very broad-reaching implications, which we'll talk about in a second, is they're trying to limit earnings stripping. Uh, Now, earnings stripping is a very common technique among multinational corporations. Mm -hmm. And basically what it is is you have a foreign subsidiary in a low-tax jurisdiction. You have a U.S. subsidiary. And the foreign subsidiary will loan the U.S. subsidiary – will make a loan to the U.S. subsidiary. And that interest expense will reduce the U.S. subsidiary's profits to zero. So they won't pay U.S. taxes, moves all the profits to – call it Ireland or somewhere with low taxes. And then they'll pay the lower tax rate there. And that way they've paid uh, low taxes. They, uh, The Treasury made rules here that will treat basically any intra-company loan like that as equity. So all the taxes will be paid in the U.S. This one's going to ha- really impact a lot of companies. And so why don't you start by talking about it's, that? It's a
1: huge tax increase Mm -hmm. Uh, it was done with no legislation they just are changing the plain meaning of words to fit something
0: that they wish was the case Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of uh, multinational companies have already come out against this saying it's going to it puts u.s jobs at risk look when a multinational company chooses to invest in the u.s versus elsewhere you look at after tax return dollars if taxes on the u.s base goes higher after tax return dollars are lower so you might want to invest elsewhere and it can have huge impacts. Uh, I don't know their exact tax situations, but IBM, Google, Microsoft, just about any big multinational you think of, uses this in some form to keep mm-hmm. their uh, tax rates down. The last thing I'll mention is uh, in the 1980s, the U.S. tried to do something similar, and that that attempt actually went up in smoke eventually uh, because they didn't have the authority.
1: Well, a lot of uh, tax uh, planning, a lot of tax schemes – Uh, Is predicated upon people not using their uh, own interests to avoid the taxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, One of the cases that there was this senator for Maine, uh, where I spend much of my time, uh, who had a big new tax on yachts that he thought was going to be really uh, a really great way to and. There was nothing built in Maine for a year, yeah. and he rescinded his own tax increase because they all just moved to Holland because that's something that's particularly easy to move
0: across an ocean. Great point. And at the end, we're going to be talking about David Tepper leaving New Jersey, so keep that in mind. I'm just going to hit up on, on some other points real quick that I don't think we have the time to because we want to go to Baker Hughes-Halliburton. Uh, where do we think there is opportunity here? First, in a big break like this, normally you'd think the target's going to get paid a big break fee. In this case, Pfizer negotiated wisely. They only owe Allergan $150 million in merger expenses. That might seem like 150 million, huge number, but if the deal had broken normally, it would have been over three mm-hmm. billion dollars. These are huge companies; 150 millions around in error. It's actually less than they would have paid the 200 million plus they would have paid bankers and advisors if the deal goes through. Uh, Pfizer, they're probably going to be looking for another inversion, someone who fits the new can- the new candidates. They might break up at the end of the year and uh, split into two businesses. It will be interesting to see. Allergan's trading around 240. Best-in-class management team, very strong brands, very good organic growth, trades at about 15 XP. We like it. We think it's cheap. We think it's interesting. Have a very interesting balance sheet after the Teva deal closes. They could buy back shares. They could buy other companies. They could look to sell themselves to someone else. Anything you want to add there?
1: No. I would just say you know this is something... Well, mentioned in disclosure, we own this. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of which we own, uh, we've bought since the deal broke. Yep, um, and uh, think that it is uh, think that it's interesting.
0: Great. Now, why don't we turn to Baker Hughes Halliburton? And this is an area where you are much more in touch with it than me, as you are many things. So, why don't you take us through Baker Hughes Halliburton?
1: They are oil services companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting about the sector is that it doesn't have a one-for-one relationship with underlying commodities that they are responsible for servicing, drilling, and so forth. Uh, They sell the shovels. Uh, They, uh, especially if the duration is shorter than this most recent uh, uh, weakness in energy, uh, they uh, have a lot of variable cost. They can, in short, fire a lot of people when they're not needed, throw tarps over their equipment, Mm -hmm. and they've been doing so, although they certainly plan to do so much more aggressively had they been able to close. Uh, Halliburton is... The buyer, uh, Baker Hughes, is the seller. Uh, Baker Hughes was a uh, uh, unwilling bride at first uh, and told Halliburton, as is being widely quoted in the government's case, uh, that this would not get done, shouldn't get done, is an antitrust problem. Halliburton tried to convince them to do the deal anyways.
0: Let, let, let me just. All that's great info. Let me just step back and give a little bit more information. They're the number two and number three uh, players in the oil field service industry behind Schlumberger. They announced the merger in late 2014. And yesterday, the DOJ said, we're going to sue to stop the deal on antitrust grounds. Mm -hmm. Halliburton is saying they're going to fight it in court. Uh, As you're saying, originally, Baker Hughes said, Halliburton, we can't talk to you about a merger because it's clear the DOJ is going to block it. Halliburton said, we're going to get this deal through. And Baker Hughes said, "Great, but if we can't get this deal through, you us a huge breakup fee, three and a half billion dollars in this case. So if the deal doesn't go through, they'll get paid a huge, uh, a big three and a half billion dollar breakup fee." Uh, Let's see. We can talk a little bit more about the DOJ's case, or we can go to the Value Act case, which I I, I would just
1: mention. um, I've I've read the complaint. I find it persuasive Mm -hmm. Um, on the DOJ side. On the Mm DOJ side, um, I would also say that it's quite likely persuasive enough that the deal uh, gets to the walk date at the end of this month, Mm -hmm. it's quite likely that uh, Baker Hughes will be getting the considerable $3.5 billion uh, of of breakup fee. Um, I think that from a game-theoretic perspective, it was a big decision and probably not one that I would have done to have had so many qualitative concerns in reaction to an inbound deal. You could Mm -hmm. always have just said, that's not enough, and maybe you Um. meant that's not enough. Uh, discounting for all these other risks. But once you describe them, you have this uh, issue of creating a lot more of the problem you describe. The DOJ's uh, first five minutes of this antitrust review mm-hmm. was reading all of the
0: interesting things Baker Hughes said about how
1: it was such an antitrust
0: problem. Yeah. So ba- Halliburton said, hey, Baker Hughes, let's merge. And Baker Hughes sent them an email back that said, oh, we probably can't. The DOJ is going to block that. We'll, we'll have way too much control of the industry. And DOJ does discovery, sees this email, and that's the first thing in their uh, – in their case against we, the deal,
1: we, we call we call internal communication like this hot
0: docs, and there were hot. Dogs <laughs> there were some hot docs. Two quick, uh, interesting points: the two companies uh, combined right now are worth about twenty-five to thirty billion, and that's what Baker Hughes was worth at the time the deal was announced. Because oil has come down from seventy-five to under forty, so it's interesting just how much the environment has changed mm-hmm. since then. Uh, do you want to take uh, what's going on with DOJ going after Value Act for their investment as well? Well, there's another antitrust issue uh, this
1: week. Uh, and it involves uh, Value Act uh, a, a gr- I think a great uh, a firm with, uh, with a history of both value and activist investing mm-hmm. in this case involved their investment uh, they were long holders in both Halliburton and Baker Hughes and their involvement is uh, getting uh, looked at uh, with a very skeptical eye from the same DOJ that just sued to block this deal and incidentally you could see a lot of repercussions about this deal when the original uh, uh, mention of value act came out they kind of had referred to the antitrust issues that they then uh, Mm -hmm. sued
0: to block so just to BHI and Halliburton, they announced their merger in November 2014. And Value Act bought shares in both companies yep. saying, hey, this merger is going to cut out a lot of costs. It's going to make a really strong company. Uh, if you buy a bunch of stock and don't intend to go activist, you don't need to alert the government unless you go over 10% mm-hmm. ownership. But if you And that's what Value Act thought they were going, doing. They proceeded to meet with the management teams on both sides mm-hmm. a little more than once a month. And the government argued that in and of itself is activism. Later, Value Act did go fully activist and they alerted the government, but the government's arguing you didn't do it soon enough. And I'll just take my my viewpoint and you can add yours. I think this is a very chilling case and I've made it into a gross oversimplification, but I think it's a very chilling case. As a good owner, it's our job to call management teams and talk to them and tell them you know here's what we think you can improve here's opportunities we're seeing that's not activism that's good ownership and the fact that the government finds that to be an antitrust case is uh, a little bit concerning to me uh, anything there
1: You're still a citizen in a republic with a First Amendment right, and you are an owner. You're not an activist of your car or your house. You're simply a fellow who owns something, and you act like you own the place because you do. Uh, This very benign, very basic behavior that I would think is intrinsic to responsible ownership Mm -hmm. of anything uh, is uh, something that uh, the government should be going after people who don't do.
0: Yeah. so I'll wrap up with a don't couple. really mean that
1: they should leave, they should leave these guys
0: alone. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with uh, a couple of quick points uh if the government succeeds in the case against value act I think it'll be interesting for activism yeah. maybe activists don't push for mergers so much anymore maybe activists only go for cost cutting and breakups and they never try to uh, make mergers happen I think that's really bad mergers can be very good an extreme example JPM JP Morgan buying bear Stearns in the crisis saved the economy, saved Bear Stearns, saved a lot of jobs. A goofy example, Facebook buying Instagram allows you to post Instagram to Facebook and uh, makes Facebook stocking easier. Last thing, opportunity here. I think we both think Baker Hughes could be interesting. Trading very cheap. The merger agreement precludes them from cutting costs while they're still under the merger agreement. Uh, That's fine when oil's at 75, but when oil's at 40, there's a lot of cost cuts you need to make. And as soon as the merger agreement breaks, they'll be able to make those cost cuts and they'll get three and a half billion dollars. Uh, Anything else?
1: No, just once it gets, especially down in the 30s, it was a little bit above that today, you get to a point where X the fee from Halliburton, which I think is going to be nearly impossible to avoid, uh, big use looks looks pretty attractive, um, and uh, that a lot of uh, government enforcement is kind of political incumbents protecting economic incumbents, and activists are uh, people who are going after those incumbents, and they get a lot of flack.
0: Okay, so we're going to go to David Tepper in New Jersey real quick, but before we get there, just a quick request. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you already follow us, please be sure to rate us. It means a lot to us and encourages us to keep taping these podcasts. So Chris, we've only got about a minute and a half left for David Tepper moving. Why don't you take it? Uh,
1: David uh, Tepper uh, lives in in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. has a Nice place in New York, too, but mostly Jersey, works in Jersey, uh, and appears to be preparing to move to Florida.
0: Yep, so David Tepper is moving to tax-friendly Miami, and New Jersey actually has to come out and say, our budget is facing an unusually high degree of income tax risk, and it's purely because David Tepper is moving. Uh, Just some stats, New Jersey residents bear the nation's third highest tax burden, and state legislators actually repeatedly have passed a bill that will increase tax burden on millionaires, the governor has repealed it, but they repeatedly have passed it. New Jersey gets 40% of their revenue from personal income tax, and less than 1% contribute a th- uh, contribute a third of that 40%, less than 1% of people. Uh, so obviously the headline of David Tepper moving is funny, but I think it shows an underlying thing, which we were talking about in pfizer Allergan: If you have the means to move and people keep raising taxes on you, you're going to move, and all of a sudden they have no taxes, and you're, you're kind of out
1: Totally separate from the philosophy on taxes, if your job is to collect revenue, mm-hmm. collecting revenue on the margin from the most easily moved individuals or corporations is a mighty flawed strategy.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. So telling people, hey, you've got a lot of money and we're going to take as much of it as you want. And What, all are, of you a sudden- what are you going to do about yeah. it, David
1: Tapper? What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not only can he hire U-Haul, but he has an airplane.
0: So. <laughs> it turns out he'll fly his $30 million private jet to his $20 million condo in Miami where they're not taxing him. So just a warning. Interesting things to think about going through. A- anything else, Chris? I think All right, great. That's all the time we have today. A uh, Reminder, if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, soundcloud before we hit our disclosures two more updates we'll be presenting at the microcap conference in toronto next week if you will be there please come say hello our podcast has an email address if you have any feedback email us at podcast at rangelycapital.com chris and i will both get it and we will be happy to chat with you on there all right disclosures chris i'm long Allergan, and i'm short a bit of pfizer not really a view it was a hedge against allergen during the deal that i haven't covered yet I think you're long Allergan. Anything else?
1: Uh, Allergan Common, Allergan Prefs, and a little bit of brand spanking new Baker Hughes
0: Incorporated. Great. All right. That's all our disclosures. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon.